this past Sunday night was three words, powerful. Those are the three words I want to say. Uh, it's just amazing. I don't even know how many people we have baptized, well over 20, and then others that came to just devote their life to Christ right there on the spot. Uh, we got to induct and commission with all of our elders, A.T. Hargrave as an official teaching pastor of Destiny Christian Center. It's amazing. <clears throat> It was just really such a cool evening to watch people in the early stage of journey, in the progression of that journey, and then in addition, the uh, more advanced stage where uh, I mentioned it that night as we lay lay hands on and commissioned AT, but I just want to make sure we all understand the goal in all of this is not that anybody try and become the expert teacher because his name is Jesus. That position's already taken. But all of us want to continue to grow and learn. Anybody here want to grow and learn? Then what our objective is really is to become an advanced learner that can help other people learn well. And uh, as we just concluded the evening, just pressed in in a place of worship, what was going on there at the end for those who weren't able to make it, the Holy Spirit just began to prompt and say he was going to bring a wave of healing into the room. We just made room for healing. And uh, people came forward and we have had amazing stories and miracles, testimonies result. How I many you know he's a healing God? It was phenomenal. Um, Lexi, our daughter, was standing there, and her hands were just burning like, uh, like having an allergic reaction, and she came forward, and all of a sudden she said it just felt like her hands were on ice packs. And when we were driving home, she never has cold hands. When we were driving home, she reached over and put her hand on my arm, and it felt like an ice pack on my arm. I mean, I don't even know what all was going on with that. Jen Danley, uh, on, our, on the third row here to my left, she came forward, and she's had, uh, it's all, she's put it publicly, so I feel freedom to say I didn't actually ask. Is it okay if I tell all this? Um, but, but she had a, a, a surgical procedure that had taken place with, with a lot of post-op complications, and she was actually... Uh, having, she was wearing a, um, a wound vac that night, was in pain, and all of a sudden something happened. The pain was gone. She could lift her hands. She got in the car, could reach in the back seat, no pain, and the trajectory course of recovery for the doctors was weeks, and she went to the doctor the next day, and today, I just want you to know, just a few days later, here she is with no wound vac, and God did a miracle in her physical body. I mean, it's amazing. Praise God. <laughs> Stacia Kelly uh, with a broken foot. I just want to, I want to just say this because I'm so proud of Brad and Stacia. They'll be in the next service. But you know, she's, she, we've shared her story, seven felonies. She has come through the system. She's come off of hard drug use in times past. She and Brad are both nearing a decade now, getting close to that. They're in the latter part of it, somewhere seven, eight years clean. And uh, they declare, we are not going back. And I'm so thankful for their declaration in that. But then when she breaks her foot and is uh, prescribed pain meds, you can imagine the inner conflict that she has holding that bottle. And she shared with me that she would wait until she was in excruciating pain before she would even take an aspirin because she just says, I'm not going back. And something happened that night, and the pain completely went away. The next morning, she said, I didn't even have to take an aspirin. So come on. Let's just thank God. We just thank God. And I just believe healing comes in many forms and many expressions. Even Tiffany standing up here speaking of purity. Our guys this afternoon gathering again in this 
declaration of the pursuit of purity. How many know God heals us morally when we're willing to allow him in? And I just want, I want the Holy Spirit to do whatever he wants to do in our gathering. So, Lord, we just invite you in these moments just to have your way. Let the desires of God shape our lives. We want to celebrate what you did. But Lord, may it simply motivate a greater pursuit of what you desire to do. We don't understand all of this, but we're hungry for more. And I thank you for the wisdom of God that abounds, Lord, as we press in to know you more intimately. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. We just agree for a continuation of healing. How many of you agree? Let there just be a wave of healing. Let's just serve notice on, let there be an um, amazing wave of healing against the coronavirus. How about the church just rise up in a place of faith and declare all the fears be diminished and a, a wave of healing sweep across every nation of the planet because the church rises up in an attitude of faith in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name. Chelsea helps lead worship, and she's gotten some very tough news on her uh, father. She drove to Texas, uh, and so we're just agreeing for a turnaround situation. So we just command healing, Lord, in every direction, healing to the north, healing to the south, healing to the east, healing to the west. The power of your word. I thank you for the power of your word, Lord. As we dig deeper into your word today, I thank you, Lord, that you'll activate and awaken something within us. Unlocking the kingdom of God in powerful and profound ways. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Now, I'm going to take a moment and uh, invite you on a journey. I need to just explain this a little, art, uh, a little meticulously before we go forward into the morning uh, so that we understand there's something brand new that we're going to launch. We've been praying about it, talking about it, researching it um, for a while. And today, there's a, a sign-up in the lobby. You'll see it where you can go get signed up for the Leadership Institute classes or right under that TV un under where all of the details are of different things that are going on. But I want to just challenge you to know something. Easter Sunday is coming. Like I think we're six weeks away. And, and Easter Sunday is the resurrection power of Jesus Christ celebrated in the church. That's what that is. And I just want to say I'm so thankful for the resurrection power of Jesus, aren't you? But we need to understand there can be no resurrection had there been no crucifixion. And so we're going to launch something this year on Good Friday. It's going to go from noon to 8 on Friday and from 9 to noon on Saturday. And we're calling it the Journey to the Cross. And people are going to come <clears throat> and experience an interactive uh, experience with what it was for Jesus to die on the cross so that we could celebrate the resurrection on Sunday. And this is intense. And some of you, as I start to tell you a little bit of what it is, you are going to automatically go to, I don't want to come face to face with that. But I'm just going to tell you that which is uncomfortable is necessary in our lives. And to shy away from the pain Jesus suffered is not going to benefit you in your faith. He legitimately suffered and died, sacrificially suffered and died. So what we're going to do is introduce a journey where you'll come in this building. We'll have different scenes that you'll walk through. 
And some of those scenes will include things like uh, a realistic cross, the height, width, weight of the cross. Jesus literally, after being beaten severely, was required to, to carry that cross. And we'll have that cross suspended in such a way that you will be able to get under the cross and just stand up under it and just feel the weight of the cross as one of those scenes. And in that moment, in this journey of the cross, you and maybe a few of your friends that are going to keep those small groups moving through will be able to just pause for a moment and give thanks for what Jesus did in our lives. Another scene, there'll be a cross and there'll be nails. And you'll come face to face with the reality. How many of you know your sin, my sin, our sin, nailed Jesus to the cross? And as you pick up a hammer and you strike a nail, there'll be this interactive understanding that it was my sin that brought him to a place of death. You know, I'm so thankful for Easter Sunday. What a great celebration it is. We come dressed all nice. But we're missing something if that's the celebration of the church and all we're focusing is on the resurrection and we never really interact with the crucifixion. And I believe God's going to take this interactive journey to the cross and transform people's lives, not just in our church, but in our community. This doesn't happen just because, you know, we hope it all turns out. We're, it's going to take a lot. And that was part of the big uh, difficulty in this is like, this is going to take a lot for us to make it happen on that particular weekend with everything else going. But we just feel it was the Lord saying, this is what we're to do. So I want to ask, form lines in the lobby after service to get your name on there and let us know if Friday or Saturday would work for you. Because it's going to take a number of people partnering with this process. We're going to uh, we're going to have teams of people that will be greeting in, teams of people that will be praying out, teams of people that will be equipped to lead people to Christ. We're going to give people the opportunity to accept Jesus who don't know him, and we'll walk through that, that prayer uh, and then available, uh, more uh, conversation and interaction with real human beings like you who really care and love people. Uh, we'll be able to participate in that. So um, we just ask the Lord for wisdom as we continue to walk all of that out and understand God's trying to establish something really deep in this next season of the church. God's trying to deal with something really deep in this next season of the church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God is trying to do something really deep. And today, I want us to talk about the deepest narrative that exists within our lives. And it is important that we address this from a couple of perspectives today. But God is going into the deepest area of narrative. In other words, there's a storyline that goes within, that, that's, uh, that's alive within you. And that storyline in the deepest place of conversation that actually exists within you sometimes gets touched on a surface level interaction. And when a surface level interaction touches the deepest conversation, you know and you have a sense that something significant is going on. And so I want you to understand, I made a statement a few weeks ago, and it's not left me. It was just kind of a passing statement then, but I felt the Lord was saying, we're going to dig into this, and we're going to dig into it, uh, not only today, but another day as well, two weeks from today, after Pastor Steve's with us next week. But I want to make the statement very clearly. Sometimes it's our earliest memories that produce the deepest narrative that exists in our lives. Many times it's our earliest memories that build the deepest narrative that causes us to navigate for the rest of our lives. Pastor Chris shared in 9 o'clock prayer this morning as all the servant leaders gathered in here, and he shared how they got this dog, an 80-pound Labrador retriever, 80, big dog. And uh, when the dog wants to get on the couch, he just leaps over the back of the couch onto the couch. 
But when they went to bed, the dog had, as a puppy, been kept in, a, a, in an area with a little baby gate. And so when they went to bed, they put the little baby gate up, and the 80-pound dog that could jump over the back of a, a couch sat at the gate with the gate about, you know, shoulder high to the dog. Like, he could probably walk over the gate. But he didn't ever, went all night long, didn't ever go over the gate because as a puppy, he had learned and been trained that the gate holds him back. I just want to say again, many times it's our earliest memories that create our deepest narrative. And some of you in this room have deep, deep narratives that are playing over and over again that have been born from early memories that have been holding you back. And today, I believe God is going to open the gate so that we can step into another dimension of what God has called us to. Will you agree for that? Will you agree for that over your life and over every person in this room, every person joining us online? We're agreeing in Jesus' mighty name. What I want to challenge us all to understand is that addiction in our lives is simply the normal default to the deeper narrative that exists within us. That's what addiction is. It's just a default to this deep narrative that's being rehearsed constantly within our lives. And Jesus, I believe, today is rewriting the deepest narrative in our lives, and I'm so thankful for that. Um, it is easier, this is your first blank, it is easier to train up a child than it is to repair an adult. Would you agree? I'm sure thankful for kids' ministry, for kids' pastors, for the equipping of parents to cooperate in collaboration with the body of Christ to be able to facilitate that which they're learning and embracing here and express that in the home. It's such an important thing that we're constantly cooperating back and forth in that regard. True ministry doesn't begin in the church. True ministry begins in the home. And the church then begins to cooperate with what's going on when mothers and fathers take their place in the kingdom of God. And, and one of the values that we really place uh, on, on ministering to our kids is that we help them learn what it is to hear the voice of the Lord. And so this past Sunday night, it was interesting because I'm standing over here and, um, and I get up to give a salvation call near the latter part of the evening. And as I did, a young lady who's nine years old, about to turn 10, Amelia Perry, she was at the back and she started walking up because she had a word from God. God had spoken to her heart. And I got up and actually said almost exactly what she had heard from the Lord. When I came down, she told me, I felt like God told me uh, that this was something we're supposed to share, and I had just said it. So we just prayed in agreement right there in that moment uh, for God to seal that word in, in all of our hearts. But then as I thought about it later, I realized, you know what, we need to sometimes hear from these young men and women of God that will rise up and make their bold declaration. So I invited Amelia, if she'll uh, join me up here. Amelia, would you make sure, Kylie, she has the right mic. Oh, she's got you there. Come on. Love this girl. And I just asked her to pray for us to be able to hear the word of the Lord like she was hearing the word of the Lord and uh, whatever you want to pray for us. Lord, I just thank you for all these people who came here to listen to the word of you and i pray that we will all have the we will all hear what you have to say and i thank you for today in jesus name i pray amen, amen. 
How many of you would have been nervous if I would have asked you to come up here and pray? Raise your hand. Let me see. <laughs> um, and I want to I talk about that just a little bit. I want you to think about a mighty king, David. Mighty man of God. How many of you would be nervous if you could go back and you were invited to go in and stand before this mighty king, this phenomenal warrior? I mean, nervously standing before him even as an adult, let alone a child, right? So here's this mighty king, like the king. Whenever you came into the presence of the king, you had to have a certain countenance and disposition or you could be killed. That was the power of the king, the expectation that surrounded uh, royalty. But I want us to rewind powerful King David's life. And I want you to think with me, and I want to lay the spectrum for us to understand a bit of a narrative in the, moment that, in the moments that we have as we take mighty, powerful, confident King David. How I many know he would have had no problem with confidence with anybody on the planet? But let's rewind King David back to a boy. Because before he was a mighty, powerful, confident king, he was a boy that was standing nervously before a mighty, powerful prophet named Samuel. See, when Samuel came to town, the city fathers and mothers uh, would be on high alert. In fact, the city fathers would come out in many instances and provide gifts to say, when you're coming, you're bringing like the word from God to the community that we live in. We're hoping for a positive report. Like, I mean, you understand, he was a powerful man of God. And so here, David is out serving his father and tending the sheep and, and, and not even invited to the party. And, and they go and get David and they bring him in. And now here's David as a child before he ever became a powerful king. He's a nervous boy standing before this mighty man of God. How many of you would be nervous if you were standing before the prophet Samuel not knowing what in the world has he called me here for? In fact, scripture says he said go get the boy we will not sit down until he arrives the young man that didn't even get invited to the party now everybody stands in his honor and so when he shows up everyone's standing the man of God is standing and nervously king uh, young David before he's ever a king stands before the prophet Samuel but now let's rewind just a little bit more powerful prophet confident Samuel as a nervous boy whose parents have entrusted him to being trained in the temple, trained in the presence of God under his mentor, Eli, who had sons that were corrupt. And now we see powerful Samuel reduced to a nervous child. I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to communicate by bringing the narrative to this, but every powerful person walks through a place of standing like a nervous child on the journey of developing confidence and cultivating a deeper narrative that establishes them in the call of God in their lives. And so here's Samuel, and this is where we're going to pick up as we evaluate and we, we think in these terms. Samuel's earliest, this is going to be in 1 Samuel 3 where we're going to read together, but understand Samuel's earliest memory of hearing God's voice produced this prophetic narrative that would release a powerful gift to his generation and would literally activate the anointing of God over a young man named David that would one day become king that was part of the lineage of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, so that you and I could be here today celebrating his life and love. 
1 Samuel 3, 1 to 3, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There was not There were not many visions, and one night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. This is significant. The word of the Lord was rare. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. So what we see is the lamp of God, the expression and what we're understanding in the illustration and analogy that the Bible reveals is the lamp of God had not yet gone out. How many of you know the light was flickering? Uh, Eli was getting older. His boys were corrupt. The, the, the Israelites had grown disillusioned with what was going on in the temple. The lamp, the light was flickering. There's a light that exists within you and a light that exists within me. And maybe if Maybe if we could actually see the light that's going on in our lives, maybe that light is flickering. But today we're here gathered together with anticipation and expectation that the word of the Lord will strengthen our lives and awaken something within us that will take us from a place and a posture of nervously standing before man to being powerfully standing before God in a declaration of his word to the world around us. First Samuel chapter 3 goes on, verse 4, Then the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, But here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. And tell you about old people don't like their sleep be disturbed. <laughs> verse 6, Again, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, I think he said it that way. My, the older I get, the more I identify. I said again, old people don't like their sleep being disturbed. My son, Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not know the, Lord of the, the word of the Lord. He did not know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time. The Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. And then Eli realized, now this is important, we're going to come back and visit this. Samuel did not know the word of the Lord. He did not recognize the word of the Lord. And Eli, his mentor, realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood there, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. So first, let's note something. I I feel like there are almost some sporadic expressions in all of this that God just wants to drive home. This is one of those. Just some insights that we can pull from the story. Maybe you can study into and pray into them a little bit more. But what was David doing when he received the call of the Lord? He was serving. Serving his father, tending the sheep. What was Samuel doing when he received the call of the Lord? He was serving in the temple, serving in the presence of God. And I just want to say this is really important. There are certain things that are only revealed to those who serve. Just sitting there, never serving, 
is costing you more than you realize. Well, I just can't really find my place. Just not sure. I, I mean, I know the church is important, and I should probably do something, but no, no, you got to understand. This is a significant component in the story for us to realize. There are certain things that are only revealed to those who serve, and there are many portions of Scripture we could go to that reiterate this, but I want to challenge you to know as the body of Christ, God does not desire for us to sit and soak. God desires for us to rise up and serve. And there's something to be released when we find a place of serving the body of Christ and that which God is establishing in the earth. I think it's great for you to learn to be a gracious, loving person to people in general in the open ocean of humanity. Here we all, all a part of humanity. Yes, indeed, we are. But let's also understand we all were born into a nice family. That family dynamic is different for every person. But my point is this, you're born into a home and a family that you identify with and you love and you serve within the context of that family. So born again, children of God, how many of you are born again? How many of you give your life to Jesus and we're all part of the universal church all over the planet, but here we are as a family. It's very important that we understand that. You might be here waiting on God. Anybody feel like you're waiting on God? You need to understand something today. Waiting on God is not like waiting on a bus. Waiting on God is more like waiting on a table. Serving. It's not like we're just sitting back hoping something shows up. We're serving forward. We're finding anything that God's asking of us. If we're not sure what to do, then we need to go back to the last thing God spoke to us to do and do that faithfully. Sometimes breakthrough is doing a little thing for a long time before something big happens. Don't grow weary in well-doing, but keep on doing what God's called you to do. In fact, the scripture says it this way. Those who wait, everyone say wait. wait. I hope you won't hear the word wait anymore uh, the way maybe you would have before. But now we understand waiting is serving, like waiting on a table. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. In other words, when we devote ourselves to the purposes of God, something supernatural is triggered within us. When we lead our children in serving the purposes of God, we cultivate early memories that produce their deepest narrative that will help them find a place of being used mightily by God in the course of their life. Are you understanding? It's so important that we get it. Did you know every major revolution in our nation was born from revolutionary youth that got a hold of a concept and said, this should not be this way, and I will not sit down and I will not shut up until this situation is addressed. I don't know if you realize, but there's something really important about the next level generation rising up in the body of Christ, declaring, I will not sit down and shut up until we understand a more full perspective, a a greater perspective, a revelation of Christ and what he's desiring to do in the church. Now, Eli didn't hear the word of the Lord. Samuel heard the word of the Lord. 
But Samuel didn't understand the word of the Lord. Eli understood the word of the Lord. So young Samuel heard it but didn't understand it. And old Eli understood it but didn't, didn't hear it. Now, I, I think it is important that we understand Samuel, this boy, I'm just going to speak to some of you. I, I, this, this might be the, the deepest sense of what I have to say this morning because I believe it really speaks uh, of me uh, in many respects. And, and I'll explain. I, I, I got, teachers did not look forward to having me in their class most of the time growing up in school. Can anybody relate to that? I can tell you the teacher who grabbed me by the hair and said, we don't do that in our class in here. And I, okay, yes, ma'am, I will never do that again. Uh, that might be why I'm a little, I'm not sure, damaged the roots or something. Uh, that, that literally happened to me. Um, I got in a lot of trouble in, in schools. I, I knew how to manipulate the atmosphere and get other people in trouble, and that was really cool for me, to watch them deal with the fallout of you know, my mischievous behavior. Uh, and I want you to think about this in these terms. Here's Samuel. He's up and he's down. He's up and he's down. He's in the bed and he's out of the bed. He's out of his room and he's in Eli's room. And Eli sends him back and, then, and Samuel goes back. And then he's up again and then he's out of his room again. And now he's in Eli's room again and now he's out of Eli's room again. And now he's back in his room again and now he's back in bed again. And now he's up out of bed again. Will this boy just calm down? I'm trying to understand this boy's behavior. Listen, you got to understand something. You don't understand that boy's behavior, and that boy doesn't understand that boy's behavior. You don't understand the girl's behavior, and that girl doesn't understand that behavior. The reason is because that child might be wrestling with the deepest narrative known to mankind called the call of God, and while they're sorting through trying to figure this out, we're just saying, get back to bed, not perceiving. God might be revealing something profound in that child's life. very important that we're discerning what God is revealing in this progression. I want to say to the young people in the room, be strong. Be strong. Be diligent. Be faithful. Eli may be telling you to go back to bed, but that does not mean he's not a significant part of your destiny. Write it in. The Bible says Samuel could hear it, but only Eli could understand it. Samuel could hear it, but only Eli could understand it. Eli was old. Eli had made some mistakes. Eli hadn't raised his kids the way maybe he should have raised his kids because of the corruption that was emerging out of their lives. I'm not exactly sure what all was going on or what was building that uh, in that scenario. Situations taking place in all of this. In the midst of, you know, Eli probably when he went to the, the Mexican restaurants, to eat, he probably had put on his glasses to read the menu. Anybody in this room have to put on their glasses? I see people sometimes putting on their glasses and turning on their phone light. <laughs> but let's be clear. It was Eli's instruction that unlocked the conversation that God was trying to have with young Samuel, young people. You really need to hear me when I say, I'm not going to say old people, I'm going to say us people. Us people, 
us people, those of us who've kind of walked down this pathway before, us people. So those of us that have, have kind of walked on this journey, we've got a few more years of experience than you. What, what I want to say to you young people, that we might need glasses to read a menu, but, but us people, we have a great responsibility to unlock the prophetic nature of God in your heart and in your life and in your future. And maybe you didn't come from a long line uh, of legacy of people that love and serve Jesus. Maybe you're here and you really don't have that before you, maybe you do. If you do, why don't you give thanks to God for the legacy that has been entrusted to your care? And if you did not, then let me just say to you, Jesus is the master at addressing that which is in disrepair. You can be the first line generation that starts this legacy right now. It does not require that you're given a whole lot to be used mightily by God. He is, I love to say this phrase, it's one of my favorite things to rehearse in my own life. He is the master at doing less than we thought, or more than we thought he could with less than we thought he needed. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. We're just going to give him something to work with in our worship today. He is the master at doing more than we thought he could with less than we thought he needed. He can address and deal with whatever state of disrepair you have found yourself in, even if you're in a place where you have simply no legacy that has been handed to you. I may believe God's trying to address a deeper narrative in all of our lives. It deals with serving the desires of God purposing to serve the body of Christ, recognizing that we need to stop. You know, our children, they don't need a firing squad. They need a cheering squad. And, and I, I mean, I'll just tell you right now, I can name teachers like that that I grew up with in my life. I can tell you the ones that pulled my hair, the ones, I, I can tell you the teacher that one day, uh, because she felt like I did not do a good job on an assignment, she handed everybody their paper back, and I sat at the back of the room, back of the room, and I thought, well, I guess she doesn't have my paper. And the teacher stood up at the front and said, Lawrence, I didn't give you your paper back on purpose. If you would come to the front, I'd like to hand it to you personally in front of the class when I've looked at how little effort it seems that you put into your paper, to which some of the students began to snicker. And as I walked up to the front of the class, right before I grabbed the paper, the teacher dropped the paper so that I would have to bend down in her presence and pick up my homework. I can tell you those teachers. I can name them by name. But I can also name by name the teachers that purposed to look in my eyes beyond all the frustration and say, I see something in there that maybe nobody else has seen. I can tell you about Mrs. Chisholm. I've shared about Mrs. Chisholm. Ninth grade typing teacher. Pulled me aside one day and she goes, I'm not sure if anyone has ever told you this, but you are remarkably handsome. I went home and did some push-ups that day. I, she said I was handsome. I mean, I tell you, I enjoyed going to her class the rest of the year. I'd go in. I didn't want to sit at the back room. I was at the front room. Chanel number five, baby. I know what perfume she wore. I'd sit in that classroom and smell it. 
Isn't it crazy though? Somebody can have that dramatic of an impact just by looking past all the frustration. I, I just I feel like this morning, maybe not in both services, maybe primarily in this service, maybe both we'll see. There's always two conversations that tend to be going on around the framework of what God's revealing. But I just feel that in this room there are some lost cause sons and daughters that we're calling back into the cause of Christ. Maybe we've given up not understanding. They're wrestling with the deepest narrative known to mankind. And we've just been frustrated with their behavior. Let's just stand together. Some of you in the room, you are the lost cause son or daughter. And I'm not talking about by way of other people's conclusion about you. I'm talking about your conclusion of you. I just want to say to you, God never gave up on you. And in addition, I want to say to you, we have never given up on you. There's more to you than what you have allowed yourself to believe. Lord, we invite you to help us understand the deepest narrative of our lives. There are things we're rehearsing on the deepest level that most of us don't even realize are the reason we've been sitting at the gate that we could easily leap over, but we feel completely completely discouraged to be able to even try it again. I believe today is a day where we begin to break out of those limitations. Lord, we just pray for this week ahead. We pray that as we gather for various uh, places of impartation through the Fuel of the Fire weekend, I pray, Lord, that there would just be incredible activation of gifts and a, an igniting of the flame literally fuel the flyer uh, uh, fuel the fire i thank you father that the flickering flames that will be brought are going to begin to burn brighter just as we gather together with an intense purposed assignment just to grow deeper lord we just want more of what you desire we want more of what you desire. We thank you for your life. We thank you for your love. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your anointing that destroys every yoke of bondage. And right now, Lord, we just bring some yokes. We bring some bondages. Come on, let's just agree for some bondages to be broken. Some, some bondages you've been carrying. Maybe some bondages you walked right into this room carrying. Why don't you just lift your hands and just receive a breaking of every bondage. The anointing of God destroys every yoke, breaks every bondage that tries to hold us back. The gates may not come down, but we can easily leap over the gates that are not removed by God. If we can't get over them, God will remove them, and there'll be a discerning process of knowing if the gate is to be a jump removed or to be recognized as part of the boundaries of God. But Father, I thank you for the wisdom of God that abounds in our lives, that we will not be held back from anything you desire in our lives, but we will advance forward in the name of Jesus, in our minds, in our emotions, physiologically, spiritually, emotionally, in every way. I hear the Holy Spirit saying there is financial healing taking place in the room in Jesus' mighty name. 
there's financial. It's, sometimes it's just an issue of being able to see things correctly that changes everything about our lives. So we just receive, Lord, a continued wave of healing and replenishment and restoration in all of our lives. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus, that you came, you lived, and you died a horrible death on the cross. You did that for us so that we could participate in and celebrate the resurrection of Christ. But you tell us also we're to participate in the death of, of Christ as we die to ourselves. And I just acknowledge today, Lord, we desperately need you. We desperately need you. You're the savior of the world. You came to redeem fallen humanity. Wherever any of us are in the progression of that journey, Lord, today we just want to say we acknowledge Jesus is our savior. Be Lord of our lives. Help us, Lord, to walk forward, taking steps, growing in stages to become more of who you've called us to be. Come on, if that's your prayer and your declaration today, why don't you give him praise, this savior, King Jesus. He came that we might have life. We honor you, Lord God. We lift up the name of Jesus. I want to encourage you, let's take a step. If you're here and you're saying, I'm starting this journey of faith, I'm acknowledging today Jesus is Lord, then I want to encourage you to fill out a Connect card and drop it in one of our giving stations so that we can make further connection with you this week and help you walk out those steps and stages. How many of you know it's easier to grow weeds than it is to cultivate a garden? And I just want to encourage you, your action point this week is purpose to cultivate a garden. Memorize a meaningful portion of Scripture this week. Memorize a meaningful portion of Scripture and rehearse it every day. I've done different things like one of the things I've done is just handwritten the verses on a card and then I will put it on my lampstand right by the, the bed and when I get up in the morning the first thing I do is I read those verses and then I put it on my pillow so that at night when I go to bed I have to move it again I rehearse those verses whatever works for you but but I want to encourage you it's easier to grow weeds than it is to cultivate a garden let's really this week purpose to cultivate a garden and find some portion of scripture that will be meaningful and I, I just put on there I think yeah consider 2nd Peter 1 3 to 8 if you don't have one this is one of my favorite portions of scripture I just want to minister it over you as I declare this this word then I want to just ask we awaken something of worship as we press in just for a few moments this communion at the back there are giving stations here there are many ways to express your worship lift your hands offer your shout whatever that looks like for you but I just say his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, help us this week to rehearse your word in such a powerful way 
that it becomes part of the deeper narrative that exists within our lives. In Jesus' mighty name.